Well, hey everybody, welcome back to Practice Makes Faithful. Today we are in season three, episode eight. My name is Ben Patterson, joined by Paul Hugobar and Rob Shaver. How you guys doing? Very well. Fantastic. <laughs> uh, I was going to try to one up Rob, but he came with uh, with a very well. Oof, I don't know if I can top that. Very, 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 very well. Yeah. Extremely well. Better than Rob. <laughs> yeah, I, say. I, I don't. Yeah, well, doing better than Rob. Yeah, doing, that's good. Doing well. How about you, Ben? You good. Doing good. Yeah, yeah, Ben. Yeah, it's good. We are today concluding our series, More Power, that we've been diving into this whole month. It's been our series on the Book of Ephesians. So mm-hmm. I'm excited for this conversation. It's going to be good. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Definitely me too. I think, um, you know, it's, it's good. I, I love when we do these textual series like this mm-hmm. because, um, one, you're reminded of things that you have held dear that are part of the communication of these letters um, and then two new things come to light which is amazing no matter no matter how many times you revisit the text mm-hmm. um, there are things that come to fresh life and so I've, I've really enjoyed it and appreciated this time and so I mean we are in week four of this series and so wrapping up this conversation based upon uh, Paul's word to this group of Christians in this town called Ephesus I think mm-hmm. it was in modern-day Turkey uh, nearly 2,000 years ago. Um, but before we jump in and, and kind of get to dealing with the, the conversation that we will entertain today, um, can you give us any, maybe any background information that will be helpful to us today that maybe will set the stage for the conversation that we will have in the next few minutes? Uh, yeah, and, and just kind of going off that idea of fresh, fresh light or you know, seeing the mm-hmm. scripture that way, that, that I think is can plague people who have been Christians for a while. Mm-hmm. And, and that you have read this, the text and you've read the scriptures, uh, that you can kind of look at a, a thing like Ephesians and be like, oh yeah, I've read that. Like I've read that, I've heard it preached, I've been in classes on Ephesians, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you can, there's a, not a jadedness, but kind of like a, I already know what that yeah, says, yeah. kind of attitude yeah. that you can approach right. scripture with. And, um, Sometimes that's helpful, but a lot of times that that limits us in our mm. in our ab- absorbing of what God's message is, and and sometimes that keeps us from really digging in deeper because yeah. if we like, oh yeah, I Definitely. got this, I know this. Uh, so I mean, that was something that I found helpful is just really trying to see Ephesians with fresh eyes, you know, and so then be able to present it. Uh, anyway, and and not denying like if you've discovered the truths that are the same truths we've always heard, well, good, <laughs> we were right. Uh, but if you kind of see something that's a little different, uh, don't just discount that, but embrace it and really yeah. wrestle with it mm-hmm. and kind of see how that is. Um, so that has come up a couple of times in this series. Um, but one, you know, one of those things was just initially this whole idea of power, and it's actually crazy, like. You know the that idea of familiarity, mm-hmm. but now it's just kind of like, just kind of in different Bible studies and different small groups and different things like that. That idea of power just keeps coming up. Like yesterday, so the white Toyota, right? <laughs> you own a white Toyota right. now. Everybody drives a white Toyota. Yeah. So we yeah. did in our Discovery Bible class. We were reading from Luke six, and all these people are trying to come to Jesus. Because, and it specifically yeah. is talking like because of the power that he had, right? That is coming out of him and healing people. 
so then it's just like, oh, there it is again. Or you read something in Romans or something in Philippians. It's like, there's the power again. There's the power again. And so power, the power of God is a theme that runs throughout Definitely. Scripture and throughout the New Testament as far as how that powers through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, yeah. in the church, uh, but not one that gets a lot of airtime. Uh, and, and so, so in reading, uh, so kind of to come back to the question, you know, the context of this Bible Bible study series, I guess, is man looking at really the these two prayers that the Apostle Paul prays for the Ephesian church in chapter one and chapter three, and not not necessarily the main point of them, but a central theme in them both is that the church would really know and understand the power that is in them. Mm. Uh, so, so we looked at the first two weeks, really trying to embrace that. We saw the power uh, that we have as a church through prayer and this, this window of, of prayer. And man, this is Paul's desperate hope for them is to know yes. the power and the, yeah. the best way that he can convey that to them is say, and so I'm just going to pray for you. I'm going to mm. pray that you will get. So the, the, the best way that we can really get in tune and in touch with the God's power is via prayer. And then secondly, kind of understanding this position, like we are God's church. We are God's children. Like we, we were far off and he's brought us near. We were hostile and he's brought us into a relationship of peace and if he is all powerful and he is almighty and he has all of that and we are that connected to him, then that kind of our position, like we should be aware that mm -hmm. that power is afforded yeah, to us and it's there for us. So those are the first two weeks really trying to encourage people and excite mm -hmm. people. Like there's so much that we should never as Christians feel limited. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then the last two weeks, uh, kind of shifting course to, to maybe realize that the point of that power is not so that we as individuals or that even we as a church would just start going around doing whatever we want. You know, like, look who we are. We're the children of God. We'll take this. We'll do that. Uh, but, but it's God's power. Like, it's not your power. God doesn't make you powerful. It's God's power in you and yeah. working through you and in, in us and working through us. And so kind of seeing that a major way that God puts his power on display for the universe, for the world to see, is when we can be unified. When, when all of our mm -hmm. differences, yeah. you know, in the world right now is maybe focused a lot on ethnic differences, but, you know, um, everybody, we're all so different. Right? Yes. Like, I mean, oh, yeah. how we were raised, what color personality we like, I mean, whatever it is, there's, there's a ton of things that we could just be like, uh, this is my preference. And we see churches divide all the time mm -hmm. because of like, mm -hmm. what color should the carpet be or the mm -hmm. new chairs and petty stuff like that. Uh, and so that doesn't show off God's power. Yeah. It's, right. It's when, we're, when we can gather around and be unified under the headship of Christ. So, was last week really focused on that, right? That was last week yeah. that was really focused on that. And then this past week kind of wrapped up with saying that there's another really major theme throughout Ephesians and that, that is the power of change. You know, so like okay. groups that change, but I think that um, focuses even more maybe on the individual and the transformation of, you know, you once were lost, but now you're found. But, you know, mm -hmm. you were a thief, but now you are a worker and a giver. You are... 
uh, a liar, but now you're a truth teller. You were a slanderer, but now you're somebody who builds people up. You know, and when somebody sees that transformation in an individual, it's obvious that something has happened. And then for us to be able to answer, like, well, what happened? Why are you so different? How? What changed you? Like, because I knew how you used to be before, but now you're so different. And we don't. It's we don't say, well, this is what I did. Yeah. It is. This is what God did. Yeah. Through me, and so that's the, the point of this week is. What what part of Ephesians were you diving into this week? So a lot of that uh, comes from the. It's kind of set up at the end of chapter one into okay. the beginning parts of chapter two, where there's um, where that there is actually that prayer, uh, the first prayer that Paul prays, and and when he talks about it, the power, he he says you know the same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work in you. And then he goes on in into ch- chapter two where he says, "And you, you were dead, mm-hmm. and and the like, and he raised Christ and put him at the right hand of God, and now he, he raised you and he puts you with Christ." Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, so kind of seeing like that, that is the greatest transformation: is you were dead, now you're alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and then I think that that kind of gets mirrored then in chapter four where, and, and into chapter five, where there's a lot of writing on. Uh, righteous living, you know, and obedience. Uh, but the the way that that is, it is kind of saying you used to be this way, or you used to do this these things. Now, do this, mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. some some very clear kind of one to one types of things, like I just mentioned. You know, like um, you know, you, you used to have this futility of your mind. You know, like a mindset that was leading to death. But now, be renewed by God's Holy Spirit. Okay, you know, so very yeah. like yeah. that's that's. Mm-hmm. Uh, transformation and like how your brain works. Yeah, in a bit, I'd love to dive specifically into some of those areas that you discussed and how we'll experience transformation. But I think, Paul, I think you've got a question first. Yeah, I want to say, too, before we go any further, you know, one thing I've really appreciated about the way that you've handled this series, um, you know, often when we do a textually based series or a textual series, we're going to start in chapter one, we're going to move to chapter two, we'll move to chapter three, or maybe we'll pull something out of chapter mm-hmm. one, we'll focus on that. So we see, you know, five chapters, we're going to go with, well, then there's not five chapters in Ephesians, but we see six chapters, we're going to do a six week series, or we're going to, um, but you took a, a more whole picture view. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were even joking this morning, and, and you joked in the message as well. You know that that often we'll read to the end of chapter one, and then we won't go any further, understanding that the the thoughts from chapter one flow into the thoughts from chapter two. And Paul didn't write chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four. Right. He wrote one continuous letter. Um, but I've appreciated the way that you've given us at times a bigger picture snapshot about broader themes in this letter by saying Paul talks about this in chapter one. And it's not easy to say, let's talk about chapter one, let's talk about chapter three, and then, oh, by by the way, here this connects in chapter five. It is probably much easier just to go one through six and say, we'll do six weeks in in Ephesians. Um, But to pull out some of these really big themes that Paul weaves throughout the letter in kind of a complicated fashion at times, um, I think that has been very helpful for us to understand that Paul prays for them more than once, and yeah. he wants them to see specific yeah. things when he prays, uh, to understand the power of unity, to understand, as we talked about this week, uh, the power of a life transformed and on mm-hmm. display. 
before others. And that, that's not just something Paul talks about one time or in one chapter. It finds mm. its way <clears throat> expressed in so many places. And so, you know, I know even before we began the podcast this morning talking about the importance of reading Scripture in a really holistic fashion or the importance yeah. of being able to d- digest a letter and allow that letter to be this whole letter that it, you know, that exists in one way. And, you know, I think, you know, even our historical understanding is that when a church was first read a letter, when a letter was first read in front of a church, a particular church that it was delivered to, mm-hmm. and then they were often passed around, mm-hmm. is that the entire letter would be read in that one sitting mm-hmm. to that church. So if we're talking Romans, we're going to go all, six, all 16 chapters. Ephesians, all six chapters. We're going to read all of these chapters. Mm-hmm. We're going to digest the whole thing and then maybe even work it through even more. And so I think especially with this particular letter where themes pop up so many different times, I think that was a really good uh, a good approach. And I, I don't know if you have any more that you'd like to comment on that specifically yeah. Um, yeah. before okay. we dive into the next kind of scripted question. But, mm-hmm. um, but I think it was super helpful, I just want to say first. Well, thanks. I... I always forget what the term is, and I think I maybe even mentioned this uh, week one, but uh, I guess the way that I would put it is like a mirrored approach. And whereas like we are taught in the U.S. of A, <laughs> like good public speaking, and, and this has changed some because uh, the way that our, our audience has changed so much mm-hmm. and how we take in thoughts and ideas and things like that. But it's kind of like, all right, you know, tell them what you're going to tell them and then tell them, mm-hmm. and then tell them what you told them. So, so mm-hmm. if you had three points, you know, you'd have, you'd, you, in your introduction, you'd lay that out, okay, here's A, B, and C, and then you hit A, B, and C, and then you remind people of A, B, and C. So it's, it's easy to look then and take that kind of learning and knowledge and, and kind of want to put, lay that out on mm-hmm. whatever we're reading. Did Paul have some points here? What are those points? You know, can we find a one, two, three? Because we let you know that was a long time. That was every like sermons were always going to be three points and yeah, and that kind of thing. But it seemed like the the rhetoric of the day when these guys were writing was less one, two, three, one, two, three, and more one, two, three, splash, three, two, one. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of like. Mm-hmm. Here's the things that are leading up to this. I'm going to make my big major point, and then we're going to kind of come down from that uh, in this kind of mirrored fashion. And so when you read Scripture, I don't think that that's necessarily uh, everything that we read in the New Testament is going to be laid out like that. Uh, but it's just if that, that was more of their teaching and their, their way to approach Scripture and, or, or writing and, and, and public speaking, uh, so that would be more likely. So then... It's just a good question. Is are there things in the beginning that come back up at the end? Yeah. And then in that that next section after the beginning is that kind of and so I think that did play out a lot in a in this letter. You know, so like this past week, it was really taking a lot of the end of chapter one and chapter two and putting it with chapter four and five, and and the week prior seeing what or the week on uh, being adopted as children. We saw stuff from chapter mm-hmm. one mirrored mm-hmm. stuff from chapter six. chapter six. Yeah. So uh, I think that works. And, and actually, then that would mean that some of the stuff at the end of three and middle of, beginning, middle of four, that would be that kind of splashy, here's the big main point that we never got to. Mm. <laughs> uh, 
But, you know, he's given some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists. Yeah. Like, and so that maybe yes. everything that we've been talking about is really leading up to that all of this power is, and this is how the church should be functioning, you know, yeah. and, and going out. Yes. And he's created us to do good works that he's planned ahead for and, and, and then yeah. And then he's given us apostles and prophets and teachers and evangelists and shepherds to train us for those good right. works. And, and then this is what... He wants it. Oh, well, so... Um, yeah, that's good. So definitely, though, I think it's great to... I, I heard a thing about, like, approaching Scripture like a gem, you know, in that you look at it, and then you turn it, and then you get a different perspective, and then you turn yeah. it, and then you get a... And then another recommendation that was just kind of like, ask ask as many questions as you can of the text. Um, so those things are fun, and if you have the time to do them, it's enjoyable. And then if you have the time to do that and learn some stuff and present it to other yeah. people, that's exciting <laughs> too. Uh, but yeah, so I definitely, I definitely think it's a, the scripture is alive, right? Yeah. Uh, I believe <clears throat> the word of God is living and active. And that is, even though they're pa- unchanging words on, on paper, uh, that there is a living nature to what we see God's word doing. And so we should approach it that way. Um, with some expectation and vibrancy and and uh, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, man, I would just I would echo your sentiment, Paul. It's, it's, I do really have appreciated that approach as well, and I like how you know yesterday you kind of made a uh, big point in some of yours in one of your slides with the number two. You called out yeah. the number two yeah. for <laughs> kind of separating. Called into like, the carpet. I know. <laughs> yeah, really. It's just this this chapter heading, right, separating kind of this thought that mm-hmm. in some ways it will, it changes the way you're going to read the text, right? If you're just reading chapter one in your morning devotional and then the next day you're going to read chapter two, you're going to read it differently than if you just read that thought right. through. So I appreciate kind of how you uh, gave some voice to that. And chapters are very helpful for a lot of reasons, but it is also, it's good to see that, to understand that. This, yeah. is, a, this is a letter. This is not a book with chapters. Like those were added later. Right, this is right. a letter written to a church. Yep. So, so in the vein of kind of trying to honor some big themes, um, Coming back to this this past weekend's message, you know, one of the things that you talked about, you already alluded to this a little bit. You know, the whole theme is God's power on display through the church. You know, or that is a big theme throughout uh, the the letter to the Ephesian Christians. Um, you talked yesterday about our death to life experience, the, mm-hmm. the Christian's death to life experience, or you talked about that in the sense of transformation should really show off God's power to a watching world, also to you know, these rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. And you know, certainly I, I, I agree with, with that statement, but, but for the sake of everybody's listening, in case somebody's wondering exactly what that means, let's maybe talk through that statement some further, this idea of transformation and how our transformation actually points back to the power of God. Yeah, and, and maybe it's easier to think about it on the other on the other side of it, like if you met somebody that said that they were a Christian mm. and then everything that about the encounter uh, <clears throat> did not, didn't, didn't back that up, right? The way that they treated you, the way that they talked, yeah. the way that they, you saw them treat other people. Mm. And they were like, yeah, I follow Jesus. I'm a Christian. And, and there is no, 
no evidence of their yeah. life being controlled by Christ, you know, or being changed by Christ, then that that would either make you doubt their, uh, you know, their statement, the authenticity, their claim, yeah. yeah, like okay, yeah, you think you're a Christian, but you're not really a Christian, uh, or if you like, that's us coming from a context of Christianity. If you were not a Christian and didn't know much about Christianity, I thought, oh, that's so that's what your God is about. Right? That's what mm-hmm. your Savior is about. That's who you're following. Yes. Is then that's not very attractive. Not that that's the point is to be attractive, but it doesn't really show much power. Yeah, that right? kind of comes back to the, the Brennan Manning quote that those of us who grew up with DC Talk are <laughs> probably familiar with, but there's the greatest single cause of atheism, he says, in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their mouths, then walk out the door and deny them by their unbelieving lifestyles. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, whether whether we say it's the greatest single cause of atheism, I think certainly it causes confusion. Is right. what you what you'd mm-hmm. be pointing to if there is not evidence that oh, yeah. this is doing something in your life yeah. that's changing you. So that's that's pretty easy to mm-hmm. understand because we probably all met those people. The hope is that you're not that person, right? Yeah. That you're not meeting that person every morning in the mirror, and mm. and so the the converse should be true. You know that it that at some point you were dead. You were walking down a path that was about your own priority. It was about uh, what you thought was right, and that path was leading to death. And by God's mm. grace, you're saved from that death, and you're from the darkness and ushered into the marvelous light. And and so if you go on, if you're living in darkness and then now you're living in light, there should be pretty obvious things that have changed about who you are and how you live. Yeah. Um, now, the maybe like the, the hardest person would be the person that's like, well, I grew up my whole life in church and I never really yeah. wandered. Like I always, like I always believed I always was a good kid and then was a good teenager and then a good college student and you know um, but I would I would suspect that even that person you still needed Jesus so you've had sin in your life and and so there's something that changed about you because yeah. <laughs> I would say like for my for myself um, uh, you know that that's pretty much my story, but I I can see like in the area of compassion. When I was a young Christian, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen years old in high school, I was not very. I was the opposite of compassionate. You know, I was very mm-hmm. much like you made your bed, you lay in it. You know, like you like people people who are over here and dealing with this. It's probably because they deserved it. They probably did something mm-hmm. to get, to put themselves <clears throat> there. You know, even like when things like. I think it was like Hurricane Katrina and stuff like that, like, you know, and New Orleans gets wiped out. Uh, I guess that was later on in life. But like when some of those like natural disaster stuff, like that would be where mine would be. Like those those people probably did something to deserve God's wrath. Like and 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 I had no compassion, no remorse or anything like that. Um, and yet now I am a minister for a church and 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 advocate for like be a good neighbor you know like reach out find people that need help and 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 a lot of that is driven by the compassion that now 
is very alive in me. Mm-hmm. And, and even to the point of like where typically like women are seen as being more compassionate than men, but I will notice things and notice people and, and hurt. And, you know, maybe I'll see like a, a young girl that's just like, man, she seems really upset. And I'll be like, hey, Cass, like you should go go talk to that girl or go give her a hug, <laughs> you know? And she's like, what, what are you talking about? I'm like, no, that person, they, they need attention. and. Where some people around me are like, well, how did like how mm. did you know that? Or how did you see that? And it's just that is a place that God has changed me, and and maybe not a place where I'm obviously like, oh, I was yeah, I was laying in the gutter in my own vomit, you know, <laughs> like no, that's not my story. Uh, but there there were, I think there's parts of all of us that are are not in that are dead. Right, that yeah. God brings alive, and then that becomes a, a story of transformation and a display of God's power. Yeah, I think even the language we used just a minute ago. I mean, this is these are this is language that indicates stark contrast mm-hmm. in everyone's life, right, from death to life. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we saw a dead person who was dead; now they're alive, or from darkness to light. I mean, if a if a room is dark and you walk into that room and you flip on the switch, there's no question about that it was dark and it was now light right or life and death there's no question about whether someone is alive or dead you know the evidence is there you know, i think that <clears throat> brings up maybe sort of a secondary question in that that maybe we can try to flesh out some you know there are times where we may get frustrated with our own lack of transformation especially mm-hmm. if we look you know, if we kind of take a micro view of things, you know, um, I struggled with this last week. Why am I struggling again again with it this week? Yeah. You know, now sometimes if we take the macro view, we might be able to say, well, some of the things I struggled with 20 years ago, I'm not struggling with today. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes transformation may happen more slowly mm-hmm. than we wish it did. That process of sanctification is sometimes it's called, um, you know, even when we have conviction, Conviction does not lead to resolution Mm -hmm. right away, you know, and so What would you say to somebody who might be struggling with that personally? I'm I'm not being transformed as quickly as I would like to be um, Or maybe struggling with the fact that others are not being transformed (laughs) as quickly sometimes as we might want them to be or expect What would you say about maybe the process or or the others are? Because I think, mm. and that, that I believe is one of the hardest uh, concepts or scriptures to really obey in the Bible is to mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who yeah. rejoice. Because I've seen probably that reaction more. Right. Somebody comes up and they give a testimony and they say, like, I had this struggle and I prayed that God would release me for it. And now and it's just gone. It was gone. It's just gone. Yes. Like I don't that thing that I was that I was enslaved to. I don't even think about it. I, I have no desire for those mm-hmm. things anymore. Yeah. And and then all the rest of us are hearing instead of rejoicing with that person, we start to well, think why didn't ourselves. God do that for me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, and 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 so I think there's that aspect. It, it's not easy. That is, I think that's so hard uh, to just purely be happy for that person. Uh, but. But I mean, it, I, maybe you answered a lot of it in just your question as well as like there's, there's probably different God, God works different ways, you know. Even in in miracles, we see Jesus perform miracles, 
And like maybe here's three different blind guys, and one guy he's just like you can see, and then the next guy he puts his hands on him, and now he can see. The next guy he does this weird thing with mud and spit, and <laughs> <laughs> he has to do it twice, and now you can see, kind of thing. Like why? I, I don't know. Uh, and mm. so it's just maybe trusting God in that process, and also it, it seems maybe it was more of a physical ailment type thing and blindness that the Apostle Paul was struggling with. But we brought this up where he said you know, another kind of verse about power where God's answer to him is my power is displayed in your weakness. Yeah. But Paul <laughs> prays three times that this ailment, yeah. would, this thorn in the flesh would be removed from him. And that's God's answer is essentially, no, my grace is enough yeah. for you. My grace is sufficient. Yeah. And, and, and so, you know, temptation and struggle uh, might, might feel different than that, you know, yeah. um, but there, there might be times and situations where God just removes a temptation, removes a struggle, and there might be other things where that is just going to be with you for your whole life. Right. Doesn't mean that you have to give into sin your whole life, but that that may always be a a, mm -hmm. a wrestling match for you, you and that temptation, you and that sin, and that and that might be a point where it's just like learning how to trust God or or seeing where. Because so so I think then where does transformation come from? And there's transformation that comes just kind of from this divine act of. You're changed. Like, I can't bring myself from death to life. Ephesians says that specifically in chapter 2. It's not by your works that you're saved. right? It's by God's grace. So so I have to rely on God to change me in those ways. Mm -hmm. And then in there, there's other ways in which God clearly says it's just about obedience. You know, yeah. like, a, like a Romans 12 verse where it's like, don't conform to this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Like, well, what is, how much control do I have in that? Well, I, I do have the ability to say no to the world. Yes. Right? And, and to say yes to God and to obey those things. And I think through all those little acts of obedience, every time I love my neighbor, every time, you know, I love God, every time I, you know, don't lie or do tell the truth or, you know, whatever it might be that I'm submitting to God, and when I'm in submission to God, then that's when the power comes, right? It's not yeah. when I'm doing things on my own. Right. It's not when I'm in denying God. We looked at the prodigal son story. It's when he was at home and and he had the riches of the father there. Like the older son, the father's like, all these things are yours. Uh, the younger son, he took it and ran, and he lost it. <laughs> yeah. And so he's like, oh, the, the real treasure was not in the wealth that I could kind of take from my father and go with. The real treasure was being here, yeah, being with my father, you know? Yeah, I think it's interesting. It's just, if I could reconnect with the idea of Paul's thorn in the flesh, um, you know, we don't really know what the thorn in the flesh was. And some speculate the eyesight he couldn't see. He was frustrated about mm -hmm. that. God, heal my eyes fully. So it could have been physical ailment. It's interesting that the word that he uses there, flesh, is the same word that is often contrasted the flesh, the fleshly life, and the spirit. Mm -hmm. And so some even wonder whether Paul had a specific temptation that continued to plague him mm -hmm. and come his way in an area of weakness where... 
you know, he and, and you know, we, we have the, the conversation, we've had it before with, you know, is, te- is being tempted, is that the same as being sinful? Mm-hmm. Well, saying yes to temptation is what equals sin. And we see that in Jesus' case. Otherwise, you know, when Jesus was tempted, he could not have been sinless after right. being tempted. So clearly temptation and sin are not on the same level. But the, Apol- the Apostle Paul may have had a weakness that he no longer wanted to experience weakness in. Maybe it was the fact that he clearly is at times somewhat prideful. And he no longer wanted to be prideful. God, take this temptation for me to exert myself and to be prideful away, whatever it happened to be. And God said, I'm not going to remove the temptation because even that temptation or physical ailment, it's a path to humility for you. And so, you know, I do, I do feel that sometimes is that the places and the spaces where God does not remove even personally um, a temptation from me is one of the it's one of those areas those are the areas where I specifically have to lean on him more fully mm-hmm. you know and in times of prayer and fasting where I find a weakness in missing food and I'm struggling and I'm starting to feel that weakness it's very similar to this struggle with sin and a desire to want to give into something that's tempting or um, you know, that is attacking and assailing you in that moment. But in that moment, it is God's grace that provides the way out of, mm-hmm. to say no to that sin. So whatever it was that Paul was struggling with, whether it was physical, whether it was a temptation, his move toward transformation, whatever that transformation was centered on a dependence on God, right? And then a willingness to walk the path that God led him and mm-hmm. as opposed to but I don't want to be this anymore yeah mm-hmm. that so, comes to a, like an attitude that we can approach mm-hmm. our lives with like why why am I why am I alive and <laughs> I love I love the first chapter of Philippians and and that is mm-hmm. a little bit like uh, what the Apostle Paul says there he's like it would be better for me right if this life would just be over for me because then I could be with Jesus mm-hmm. <laughs> and like a, even more a realer sense or whatever um, but if God keeps me alive mm-hmm. then it's for your sake and 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 so it's kind of like this recognition uh, recognition that my life is really at this point I died to myself like that's part of, mm-hmm. you know like I wonder how often like do Christians really remember that? Like, I died to myself. And, and when I died to myself, that was a part of following Jesus. It says, mm-hmm. I will die to myself and I will live for Christ. Mm-hmm. And so what does that mean then? That I'm going to live for Christ. And and so then, yeah. so that should be my desire then when I wake up in the morning is I think, God, work through me. Right? Like, I'm living for you today. Yeah. How do you want me to be? How do you want the world to see you mm-hmm. through me? Mm-hmm. And and so there's an aspect from what we talked about on Sunday and in Ephesians where I think there's a, a, a very real way in which a way that God wants the world to see his power through us is in the ways that he's changed us. Yeah. But there's also a very real way when we look at the Corinthians verse in the situation of the Apostle Paul where 
God also can display his power to the world through our weaknesses. You know, so maybe a way that we haven't been changed. And that, but, it, but that comes through our, our being honest about that. Mm. You know, so whether that is some kind of physical limitation that we have that we don't have to say, we don't have to go around saying like, oh, well, I'm in this wheelchair because God is cursing me, you know, or I am blind mm. because God uh, has not heard my cries, but that, that through whatever physical weakness uh, we might have, that we say, no, this is just what you perceive mm. as being weak, but that God mm-hmm. God is working through me in uh, such That's powerful good. ways. Really mm-hmm. yeah. Or if it's a temptation, that we be, are honest with people about that. Because, you right. know, there was, remember, it's not that big now, but remember there was like a huge wave in the church world when the buzzword was authentic authenticity yes. <laughs> right like yes. we want to be authentic we want to be authentic yes and but that's still legit like so the world doesn't want to like we can't really approach the world as like we've got it all figured out like we've got it all together but we also don't want to approach the world as like look at us we're terrible sinners <laughs> right yeah <laughs> like look yeah. how terrible we are that's you know, like yeah. Romans six like we don't go <laughs> mm-hmm. we don't go by no means like you know like mm-hmm. we're like look how much God's grace is in my life because I'm yes. so wretched like mm-hmm. I'm so messed <laughs> up and God still saved me but the honesty of that is like here's ways that God has changed me but you know what friend who's not a Christian mm-hmm. you know that I'm not perfect you know yeah. you know yeah. that there's still things that that I struggle with, yeah. you know, and so, the, so, and and so, who's to say that God can't work through my display of weakness as well? Yes, I think that's, that's a really. Good. I'm gl- I'm really glad y'all brought that out. Uh, that's a really helpful, um, helpful aside to some extent. And, but I do want to shift back to kind of those areas of transformation mm-hmm. that you discussed in the message. And you discuss these four different areas where uh, that Paul highlights in Ephesians that we may experience some transformation yeah. in. So I'd love to go through these four and kind of like break them down each one at a time. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about those. First one being in our thinking. Yeah. I kind of want to turn the tables on you guys a little bit oh, because boy. I know that you are both, um, you've both read the book Live No Lies. Mm-hmm. Right, right, and 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 now you're leading the youth through a study on it. I mm-hmm. feel like it it pertains a little bit, right? Like especially yeah. in this area of the mind and the thoughts, mm-hmm. uh, because Comer talks in that first video that you shared with me, right? mm-hmm. so you can check it out. I guess put a link to it and then yeah, we can do it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's um, but but kind of this idea of you know some of the lies that get into our mind uh, that there is a perception in much of church history is that the that came from the liar the father of lies mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and and so in a lot of ways our deceptive the way that our minds deceive us our our bad thinking uh, is a product of Satan's influence mm-hmm. yeah versus um, the transformation now we've got the Holy Spirit uh, now we have a source of truth, right? The Spirit of God. If there's one word that's other than holy, that the Spirit's often connected with its truth, right? Jesus yeah. says, I'm going to send you the Spirit of truth. He's going to remind you of mm-hmm. all the truth, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
So that would be my quick answer, but I, I'd be interested to see, like, um, if you had anything to add, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. with, with specifically this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> well, it's interesting from uh, from Live No Lies, John Mark Comer is talking about, like, his, he talks about, like, these, these three different enemies mm -hmm. that are, are at war with our soul, really. Um, and he's talking about the devil, the flesh, and the world. And as you think of this thinking idea, there's kind of a connection with both the devil and the flesh mm -hmm. in our mm -hmm. thinking. So his, his central thesis in this book is that uh, we have these disordered thoughts for I'm sorry we have uh, deceitful thoughts come to us from the devil the devil kind of whispers this thought into your mind you have mm -hmm. this this uh, deceitful thought but then that thought it plays to a internal disordered desire we have these desires God gave us a lot of times mm -hmm. good desires yeah. but from the fall they've become disordered so that thought plays to that desire and then those desires get normalized within a sinful world, mm -hmm. being the third enemy. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of lays this out as the devil's strategy of how he works against us to steal your peace. Mm -hmm. Excellent book. Read, Live, No Lies. It's great. <laughs> yeah. But um, as I think of this idea of thinking and of this transformation in in our thinking, um, I don't know. I mean, I just think of those two things playing together of the devil giving you this this thought. There being mm -hmm. a spiritual war that's at place, but that is also is playing to our broken desires yeah. that are already there. So I think of what would that look like, transformation in that area. There's one thing. There's a spiritual warfare aspect yes. of it, of like that we are realizing that, oh, the devil is trying to destroy me, right? <laughs> yeah. I need to guard against that. Right. As Comer goes on, he talks about stuff like memorizing scripture of things that we can do and mm -hmm. guarding against those deceitful thoughts. But then also there's a maybe a reordering of our disordered desires mm -hmm. to some extent mm -hmm. too. Um, and it's not to say like it's the process of sanctification. It's not to say it's going to yes. go overnight and our yeah. desires are going to be completely, you know, fixed but right. there is a process of sanctifying where at least those desires may change those internal desires so yeah um yeah sorry for putting you on the spot no man no, 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 no. no I, I think that's good <laughs> I, I think too you know we, when we think of the idea of spiritual warfare um you know one thing that that i think has become more illuminated or more clear to me over the last few years is that I have not thought nearly enough as the mind as a uh, as maybe one of the the biggest battlefields where spiritual warfare happens you know mm -hmm. my mind Joyce Meyer mind. too What's that? So you've been reading Joyce Meyer too No <laughs> Battlefield of Mind uh, My mom used to listen to <laughs> Joyce Meyer Quite often, that back so maybe I should be familiar with that, but I have not. Uh, I have not myself done much Joyce Meyer stuff. Um, but but I think that's. I think definitely. We don't believe you. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Well. Sorry. No. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, but but certainly, you know, the idea of these two things at play. You know, James says your own evil desires. Mm -hmm. like, I mean, our desires within are so disordered mm -hmm. that. It's almost James is saying is if we don't need anything from the outside to speak into our own evil desires, we're already that messed up. But then here is 
the devil uh, working into. You know, I think even here we've been walking through a devotional series that one of uh, one of our members here, uh, Grace Chapel, Deborah Stevens, is doing. We're pu- publishing those on uh, on Facebook, both our members group and our page. And just this idea again of of the devil when we sin. The devil takes on this place of you know being a kind of a crouching lion ready to pounce upon us. We put ourselves at this place where we're now more susceptible than we were before. Um, you know, and just the idea of the devil existing as a roaring lion, seeking to devour. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that so much of that happens within our minds. And it's certainly right now in this time where you know, we know that deaths of despair are on the rise, um, where we know that depression uh, and anxiety and other issues that um, that just speak to, I think, the lack of healthy worldview at times. Mm-hmm. At times, you know, there are things that certainly I think people experience um, at, at, uh, at, at a chemical level that sometimes may not account for all of that. And so we want to allow for those things without... Uh, specific judgment in that, but that cannot explain the rapid rise in all of these things that seem to now be appearing as as another wave of epidemic in a sense. Um, You know, it it definitely is the idea of our thinking being a place where there's a battleground, um, you know, that is, or the place of our thinking Mm -hmm. is a battleground. So what's, what's the solution yeah, I mean, in and, that. And I think that, I mean, I love the word too, Ben, that you used the devil stealing, mm-hmm. right? And Jesus talks yeah. about, like, he's a thief. Steal, kill, like, destroy. he just wants mm-hmm. to do. Um, but, that, but that's mm-hmm. not how the devil presents, like, right? Like, it's not like, yeah. it's not like you get a manifestation of this red pitchforked dude that's like, I want all your stuff, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's, otherwise, it wouldn't be as tempting for m- most of us. Um, but, but that idea too, and that I brought up on Sunday, uh, Proverbs fourteen twelve, and there's a, it's again in sixteen. Mm-hmm. There is a way that seems right, right? That's our yep. thoughts. Yep. Like it, our, we think it's right. That that man mankind, we we think this way looks right, but the end of that is death or destruction, yeah. right? And mm-hmm. and and then uh, Matthew four, Mark four, Jesus mm-hmm. being tempted in the wilderness. And, you know, you look at some of the stuff that Satan brings, like, turn this rock into bread. Like, that, on, on the surface, like, what is the big deal? What's the deal? Yeah. Okay, like, do it, you know? Like, you're hungry. Yeah. If, you're, if you're hungry, you've been fasting. You haven't eaten in 40 days. Like, uh, but there is a way that maybe seems right to man that leads to death, that leads to destruction. Uh, Jesus had, he knew the scripture. And he knew the sentiment behind it. He knew the, the purpose of it. And so he was able to combat each of these temptations with, no, this is what God is about. Mm-hmm. This is what God really wants. This, is, this would be the consequence of me going that way. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that is, that is how, how, how are we transformed by God's Spirit? And it's just like we said, there's things that just happen instantly. There's ways that, like, when you give yourself to Christ, there's ways that I, I believe thought patterns that are changed, uh, ideas that are changed, because you've been living in darkness and now you're in light. So there's things that will just become clear to you mm-hmm. that you didn't mm-hmm. know or understand. And so there's those things, uh, but then there's the ways that we have to train ourselves. The Bible talks about like uh, this progression of when you're a baby, you need milk, but then you have to graduate and chew on 
solid food. And so uh, scripture is huge, you know, yeah. knowing mm -hmm. it, learning how to rightly divide it, you know, being trained by others in, in those things yeah. so that it becomes a part of us and, and a guide for us. And, and that controls, that determines our thinking, right? Like we talk about having a conscience, but I, I think that is what the conscience is, the way that seems right to a man, which sometimes can be helpful, but sometimes is, is, is broken in that fallen state. And then the Holy Spirit takes the place of, or should take the place of your conscience yeah. and become that guiding force. Mm -hmm. and, and then the scripture reproves what's in you, right? Like um, dividing joints and marrow and all those things and kind of just helping us see this, this is truth. And when we know what mm. truth is, uh, then we can have that kind of transformation. And then hopefully, you know, our thoughts are so linked into how we act, right, and what mm -hmm. we do. Um, but, but that can be on display. Is like I used to see these people in this way, especially when you go back to, like, the idea of unity, right? Like I used to see this people group and I judged them this way. But now when I look at them through the lens of the Holy Spirit, I, I, I don't hate them. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. I love them and I have compassion for, you know, what maybe I was judging now I have compassion for uh, the people I didn't want anything to do with. Now I want them to be my brothers and sisters mm -hmm. in Christ. You know, then, and so that's the kind of, I think that's the fruit of the transformed thinking mm -hmm. is, is some of those. That's good. It can be everyday things, but yeah. I think major shifts too of how we see the world. Yeah. So let's look at these other three categories, and we're getting low on time, so let's move through okay, yeah. these other three quickly. The next one is saying, um, right. with what yeah. you say. What, what does that transformation look like? And that, that gets brought up a couple of times. Uh, one, one way, he's, he says, you know, put off all falsehood mm -hmm. and speak the truth to one another. So that's major, <laughs> right? I mean, and that's tough because it's easy to lie. It's yeah. really easy to just not tell the whole truth, you know? So put mm. that off and just be honest with each other. Uh, and then it, but then it comes back later with some of the things like there shouldn't be no coarse joking amongst you um, and things like that. But, but we wanna be people that say things uh, that build each other up and that the hearers of our words are filled with grace. So, you know, I mean, mm. The tongue is impossible to tame, says <laughs> yeah. uh, one one Holy Spirit inspired writer, and <laughs> so that's you know it's it's a tough thing, but that's a place I, I think that you can see that kind of transformation, especially if that like especially if you're looking at this thing. Hopefully, everybody can say, "Oh yeah, there's th there's ways I can use my words better." Mm -hmm. But especially if that is your thing, if you had that, mm -hmm. you were that foul mouthed sailor type. Like, God can change you. Like, if you were the person that was always negative and critical and tore people down, that is going to, God's power will be displayed in you if now you can be the person mm. that gives grace and builds people up, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, yeah. That's good. Yep. The third category is doing. Mm -hmm. What about that? Right. Same thing. And I, and I mentioned this is one of my favorite verses. Um, in, in Ephesians where he talks to the thief 
He's a, if you've been stealing, steal no longer. So that's like step one. <laughs> you know, now go get a job. Like now work with your hands or whatever. You know, so that you're doing something. You're taking the very thing that was kind of the the brunt force of your your sin, um, and you and transform that. Just start using it. like, and so that's like I don't need God to like magically change my fingers, right? That's just a mm. start. You got nothing to do with your hands now. Start using them to do good things. And not only will you have the things that you need, but you can work so much that you have more. Now your hands are, are doing the opposite of stealing. They're giving. Mm-hmm. And it's just so that, I think, in one verse is just so amazingly beautiful of what God can do for transformation and that people mm-hmm. can reflect on that. Is that, like, are there things that I'm doing that have been hurtful to people that now I can mm. use this same thing yeah. and do and help people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A good example yeah, really good. is, and I don't know how, how long this organization has been around, I've learned about it in college, is these guys that started Triple uh, X Church. Mm-hmm. You guys familiar with yes. that yep. organization? Yeah. So it's just, I mean, a couple of guys, they were friends, they were Christians, and they struggled with pornography. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, like, uh, like, Tens of thousands of other Christian men. They struggled mm-hmm. with pornography, and 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 the, it was something that they wanted to just hide in the closet and be ashamed about. And God, they felt like God was calling them to take this thing that is your weakness and turn it into a strength. Start talking about it. Be open about it. Don't be ashamed. I mean, be ashamed, but don't be ashamed, right? Like, uh, and so this thing that you were doing that was bad. Yeah change you're doing and now go out and so they go to like um i've read some of the things like they'll go to like a convention that is put on by the porn industry and they'll go and they'll like hand out bibles that on the covers of them say like jesus loves porn stars now maybe that yeah that's not everybody's everybody's thing but it shows how they took something that was a vice and uh, shameful and whatever and they let god transform them yeah, doing something bad to doing something good. So mm. we can come up with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what yeah. was the last one? Last one is filling. Oh yeah, yeah. So Jen, you know, I I think that this is actually really huge, and uh, the 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 proof text <laughs> that he's just like don't don't get drunk any longer, but get drunk with the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and you know, and and. Uh, sing songs of praise, you know, because drunk people like to sing songs, but maybe not of praise. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it just—I I think that is a huge thing. Uh, how do we get filled up? You know, the it, people. We have all kinds of things. It could be drunkenness or drugs, things like that, and it could be less subtle things. It could be that you're a shopaholic, or you like to place bets, or mm-hmm. you know, that you just you like music, or you or you like to binge Netflix, and all of those things are just so empty. Yeah. And hollow, yeah. and so they're they're just going to force us to keep going back to that well because either either we didn't get enough the first time, or it creates addictions to things that just aren't shameful. You know, like I've heard people talking about in like braggadocious ways of like, oh yeah, I watched all seven seasons of this show in a weekend. You know, and you're like. That's crazy. Yeah. Like yeah. what? Like didn't at some point in sitting in your chair, or your couch, or your bed, did you like think I probably should not be consuming this much? Yes. <laughs> um, and and then the next person comes back trying to one up them. You know, like 
right. So, uh, it's interesting. Think, the word that we even put with that is binge watching. So you went mm-hmm. on a binge. Right. Yeah. Binging is what we do with drugs and alcohol and <laughs> right. food when we go, you know. So, yeah. yeah so binge yeah. watching, how that became yeah. good or something we should take pride in. And yeah. that's not to say that, again, like that practice. And like if, if you get caught up in something and will end up staying up till one in the morning and you watch six hours of Friends because you're really into it, whatever, like to say that that in itself was evil, I think w- where we get caught up is if we're like, oh, I just need some me time, I need to rest, relax, rejuvenate, and we're always going to sources that aren't God. Like mm-hmm. this is how I, I just gotta go for a run, I gotta, like that's what, I just need a cigarette. Like then, then w- that's what we're relying on for renewal. Yeah. Right? That is what we're looking to fill mm-hmm. us. And those things, like I said, they're always gonna either come up short or they're going to fill us, but then we're going to need more and more and more and more of them. Yeah. And the Holy Spirit may be the same way. Not coming up short, uh, there may be a sense in which we want more and more and more from God. Yes. Uh, yeah. But that yep. will just lead to better and better and better and better things. That's good. And so yes. that is a way that we can definitely be transformed is to recognize that and, and stop allowing ourselves to be filled and, and get our our energy back and our life back stop going to the things of the world that leads to death and it won't work out well for Christians I appreciate you breaking down those man those areas that we can experience that transformation Um, so that's thinking saying doing filling yeah yeah I especially appreciate the first and last because they really seem to be places where in our current cultural mm. time frame snapshot paradigm we're really being hit hard so um take this and you issued a challenge at the end of the message um that i think really does make this practical and gives mm-hmm. us ideas of how we can practice what we've learned to be faithful to jesus and maybe that's a great way of reissuing the challenge here today is there something that you would give give us here who've been engaging with you those who are watching listening that Go do this. Put this into practice. Just yeah. a yeah, takeaway. I, mean, I think for one, I, I I was in that camp of like if people were like Rob, what's your testimony? I'd be like, ah, you know, like I my parents brought me to church since I was a little kid, mm. you know, and like we did switch from one church to a different church, you know, the, <laughs> like I I didn't really have like a, a prodigal story of like I oh I was over here doing all this crazy stuff and then I came back to Jesus. Um, and so to me, I always judge that as like, that's not exciting. Nobody's going to care about that. But yeah. when I look in through through this lens of it, it's like, and I just, I shared that. I shared my story about I was discompassionate. And now I believe that I'm compassionate. Um, and I can only attribute that to God's work in my life, mm. right? And so I would encourage people to find that because I, I think there's a lot of people that I've met. I know there's a lot of people that I've met that are like me in that. They're like, I don't have, I don't have that. Like I hear that testimony. I'm like, man, their story is so good. It's so powerful. But why can't my story of like just not wanting to help mm. people and now wanting so mm-hmm. desperately to help people mm. can't that be powerful too like i think yes. it can i think it is um and so i would encourage people one see recognize the way that god's power has already worked through in your life praise god for it and then look for ways to share that uh, that is that is a great thing 
um, mm -hmm. that people have probably noticed in your life. And so why not use the opportunity to give credit to God? And then secondly, uh, you know, with these things, the, 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 the thinking, the saying, the doing, the filling, you know, maybe in hearing us talk about that, there is something that gets, like you, you feel convicted. Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh yeah, like I really don't have a problem with my words, but I really do have a problem with how I try to fill myself. Like mm. when I look for getting rejuvenated, when I look for that, like I'm not really turning to God things. Then, then I think you know, take, take some inventory of your life. Look in those four categories and say, is there one of these categories uh, where, where I, I really do need um, more God and less world? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Amen. And less Satan, less flesh, less world, right? There you go. <laughs> yes. Um, so, and, and, then, and then just see where that takes you. Pray, pray about it. Or it could be something as simple as just making that change. Like maybe, it, you, maybe you don't need God's divine hand swooping down and do, doing something miraculous in your life. Maybe it is just instead of reading my novel, I'm going to spend 30 minutes reading from God's Word. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just tra trade something out. Solid. Awesome. Well, thank you, Rob. It's a great, great spot to land it. Any, just as we wrap up this series, any final comments you'd want to give? No. That was it. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> cool. Hey, well, great spot to stop it. Well, thank you. Thank you again for sharing this. And thank you, Paul, for your thoughts as well. Um, next week, we'll be changing the corner. Be turning the corner, not changing the corner. <laughs> we'll be turning the corner next week with a new series. I don't like that corner. I'm changing it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> new series yeah. called I Will Love. Paul's going to be back in the hot seat next week. Okay. So it's going to be a good, good. time. We uh, yeah, invite you all to tune in. And uh, till that time, God bless. Mm -hmm.